What's up, my man? No, no smiles today. Well, I'm I'm a smile just because it's my natural facial disposition. But That's what you, you do. See, I, I had to come to my room with no Steelers stuff. To, had to change venues, Rody. I had to come get the comfort of my Northwestern degree, and just and that's it. That's the only thing that comforts me right now. Normally, I'm sitting back, I'm relaxed, I'm slouched. My wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, "Why are you like off to the side?" I was like, "I'm comfortable." She's like, "You need to be up closer so I can see your face better." Why are you slouched off to the side? Now I have to do it so I can hide that. Can't be seeing uh, that right now. I see. It just hurts uh, too bad. There's one thing that does it. Uh, it does make me happy on this Tuesday, I guess, because had yesterday was Monday. It was no good for anybody. But um, we get to talk to Aditi Kinkabala today. My buddy Aditi blessed us. Is blessing us with her presence. Uh, yeah, we're gonna play that back for you guys. It was enlightening for me. I yeah. I enjoyed because. She uh, is going to open my eyes to some things that you'll see during that conversation that um, I've been pretty steadfast on, but she's as good as it gets when it comes to covering with an unbiased eye. She, um, and from afar, I've enjoyed a long time, especially because she's done a lot of AFC North work. She doesn't play to the Kool-Aid drinkers. No, she, she, she calls it straight like she sees it. And with the insight that she has and the experience that she's gained, she's not going to sugarcoat it or anything like that for nope. homerism or you we've come across before. Yeah. Based on the her. based on the market that people are in, they'll interview and they'll talk nice about this one, talk nice about that one because they think that's what the market and a lot of markers do want to hear that. I want unfiltered raw truth give me the truth even if it means i was wrong about something and i think i was wrong about something that she she enlightened me to and that's why she's she's great because she's real and players uh appreciate that more than anything so she's developed yep. a lot of nice relationships just because of her personality and her genuineness uh, we've had conversations over the last four or five years had a chance to meet her at the combine and she tells us straight about my Steelers, about she Coach does. Tomlin, about where we stand, um, especially after yesterday. Uh, after all the delays, we finally kicked off at 430. The field actually looked a lot better than I thought it was going to. They did a good job uh, clearing that field off. So snow was not a factor, which I actually wanted to play in the snow because I thought it would it would have benefited the Steelers yeah. a little bit more. Um, yet still, uh, to be truthfully honest, Brody, um, I'm not as mad as I thought it would be, um, mostly because I thought the Steelers fought, at least against all odds, our third stringer going against uh, Josh Allen, uh, perennial MVP candidate, somebody who I think by all accounts, we all think is going to have a Super Bowl in his career at one point or another. Um, who played as good as he's played in right. recent memory yesterday. That's as good as Josh Allen's played this season, in my opinion. Mistake-free football. If Josh Allen plays mistake-free football, I don't know if anybody in the NFL could beat him, and especially with the defense playing the way they've been playing despite all the injuries. Um, they got stars at each level. They got Ed Oliver, Dick Daquan Jones up front. They got Poirier and Micah Hyde on the back on the back end. And so I guess it's a good player sandwich in between. But uh it, it was just a tale of us being overmatched. 
Um, sometimes some teams are just better than you are. Uh, granted, we had our chances. We were down. We got it down to a one-score game, 24-17. Uh, and all we had to do was stop Buffalo uh, with six minutes left. And they drove down and scored a touchdown. And some of the things that had plagued us that really got us to that deficit, some of the missed tackles, some of the untimely penalty calls. Miles Jack had two penalties on that drive. Uh, a questionable late hit on a Josh Allen slide and then a, um, a holding call, a defensive holding. And mind you, we, it got preceded by a penalty on the field goal uh, because Dan Moore got a personal foul for swinging at a defensive lineman. So they got the ball a relatively good uh, field position on the 31. But that last drive was kind of a microcosm of how our season went. Even if, even when close, granted, we had a good record in close games, but when going against good teams, when you make those type of mistakes, it's really hard to recover from it. And we could not recover from some of the early turnovers and then some of the late penalties. And so it was disappointing, um, but I was proud of the fact that the offense as a whole um, really had, gave us the opportunity to, to be into that in that game after being down 21 to zero. So no moral victories in this game. No, almost only in horseshoes. Right. Rody. But uh, all in all, doesn't make me as upset as I thought it was going to be. So I don't, I don't like to see you down. I don't take pleasure in that. There are certain people I do take pleasure in seeing them down, but I don't take pleasure in seeing, I want to cheer you up. Okay. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little something to cheer you up. What you got for me? Close your eyes, sit back and think of, Think of better days. Mm. See, I don't know if this really. <laughs> but you're smiling. Look at that smile. There's uh, that Trey smile. Just let it come. It. You're mowing lawn. It's April. It Cars driving the down the road. Cars driving really down the road. The, same, the window's down. Just... I love you, Sticks. I love you, Renegade. And I appreciate what you're trying to do for me, Rody. I really do, but. This is um actually a little bit more depressing. Makes <laughs> <laughs> you a bit more depressed to hear Renegade right now. Knowing I'm not, that... not going to hear it again for eight months. I won't hear Renegade. Dude, again you know that, that that song, and let me tell you why it's a little bit more depressing. That song is always played going into a defensive stand. We need a big defensive stand after a score, and the one thing that we needed. Begin to the, get back into the game was a damn defensive stand in the fourth quarter. See now, now you riled it all up. You done stirred it all up now, Rody. I was cool, and now I'm just re-pissed off. My pissedoffity is back to ten because you played Renegade. Had the opposite effect. I think you knew what you were doing. You knew what you were doing. That might have been my rebuttal to a certain text that I got on Sunday morning. What's that? I can't remember. Did I text you? What did I say? Asking where Miles Garrett was and if anybody had seen him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I will smile about that. Where was he? <laughs> <laughs> where was Miles Garrett? You want to know what I learned this weekend? What's that? Because we were all geeked. We were all happy. Our superstitions don't mean shit. It didn't help at all. My I had a mustache pain. on. You had your positive pants. It killed all our superstitions just right dead. Nothing helped. I mean, I guess it can't be 100%, man. I guess we're three and one with my positive pants. That's a good winning percentage. I won a little money this weekend. That was nice. Oh, I did too. 
Dude, it was, that was good. So I cried into some of those dollars. I cried. <laughs> he liked it. What, what's, the, what's the difference? <laughs> the Dave Chappelle holding his money yeah. just oh, his wife. It was it, it was it was painful, man. And you know, you had that feeling where you know, like you want to have hope. You really deep down inside want to have hope, but deep down inside you know you have a feeling it's not going to go your way. So that was. I had a few uh, buddies over, and that was me at halftime of the Browns game. And they were like, oh, you're right there. Get a stop. And I said, Joe Flacco hasn't thrown his interception yet. Yeah, We're not right it. there. If, if he had thrown his interception in the first quarter, I'd believe you. Mm-hmm. And then Joe Flacco threw his interception. And right. I just looked. I said, yep, my wife is TikToking me. She's recording me and making TikToks of me. That, that was that was really good. That was funny. I don't know how many f bombs I let fly that night, but there were a lot. Were Vegas a could have had an over under. Yeah. I was I was I was in it, but that was mostly first half f bombs. And then you were just relegated to reality in the second half, right? It I just, just ate my feelings. I just ate and drank bourbon and. I went through a bottle of Crown Vanilla. I was making Crown Vanilla and Coke. And, that was uh, tasty. It was, it was good. It's quite delightful. I and then we watched. Kick. We watched. Uh, who was the late? Oh, the Chiefs. Chiefs oh, you know what happened in that? No, you didn't. Couldn't tell you two plays from that game, but it was on the television. I think I was just sitting there replaying every play of the Browns game in season, and. Uh, you know, the oh, one thing that we could say, though, and prior to a lesser effect for you than for me, but even still, everybody can see what CJ Stroud is going to be. Oh, we both went into we both went against two damn good quarterbacks, and we were both playing with third and fourth string quarterbacks. And I think that's part of it, too, is it hits you eventually where it's like, we weren't even supposed to be here to begin with. Like right. it's disappointing because once you're there, you want a chance. Right. And then I think it's it's how we both lost. Both our teams had gotten there hanging our hat on playing good defense and stopping the other teams. And then how we lost, we just got drug across the field by the other team's offense. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't even it was no contest in Houston. And like you said, the Steelers and their defense, if you would have said Mason Rudolph, you said in September, Mason Rudolph is now our starting quarterback and we're playing a game in Buffalo and it's the fourth quarter and all we need is a stop by our defense and we get the ball back with a chance to tie the game. You're signing up for that 100% right. of the time. Yeah. I think the other part for me is, you and I talked about this before we even started doing this show every week. The Browns defense was so different at home and on the road this year. Yeah. And I don't know why it makes no Dr. sense. Dr. Jekyll, to me. Mr. Hyde. It was completely different. Yeah. It makes no sense to me whatsoever, but the Browns defense at home and the Browns defense on the road were two completely different defenses. And what we talked about in the pregame, 
I would have bet my mortgage on Jim Schwartz adjusting or being able to, and there was never an adjustment. It, all Slowick did was like, he was like Leo. He was like, get a share. He was like, there's Greg Newsom. And they're playing man, and we're going to throw to who Greg Newsom is guarding. And that was what they did. Whether it was Dalton Schultz or the slot receiver, they targeted whoever Greg Newsom or who was covering the slot. And they took advantage of a way overzealous, like our defense was, they were ready to go, but they were over pursuing. They were crashing too hard on stuff and it was, they never recovered. Uh, When I think about our performance, our offense started out slow. Mason has shades of old Mason uh, earlier on the game, a very crucial pick being thrown while driving in the red zone. Albeit it was a great play by the defender. Uh, he had just gotten burnt. Uh, Elam, their first round pick from a couple of years ago. Deontay had just got him for two big catches. He had just got called for a defensive penalty. We get down there in the zone, in the red zone. And one of the things that annoy me sometimes is not understanding personnel. We have, out of all of our receivers in the red zone, we have Deontay Johnson, who stands at about 5'10". That's being generous. We have George Pickens, one of the best high point uh, wide receivers, contested catch wide receivers in the league, especially in his young career. He's he's been on display multiple times. We have a six seven tight end in uh, Washington out of Georgia, who was a big red zone threat for them last year. And we have not quite impl- we got Pat Fryermuth, who's been a damn good red zone threat for us. But we try to stick a pass, a very low percentage, very tight window pass in the red zone, a very long throw. It wasn't quite from the opposite hash. It was like in between hashes, but still not the easiest of throws. And so I can't fully blame Mason. He did decide to throw it there, but if that was what the play called for, I can't totally blame him for that, but it was a low percentage play. When we had an opportunity to throw a fade up to George Pickens, run the ball with Najee Harris, five pair of prior move in the, in the seam somewhere. We go for the lowest percentage throw in the red zone. And that stuff like that pisses me off because it's like we have the personnel to do more when we get in those situations and we make things so unnecessarily hard for us as an offense. And so that right there, that put us behind the eight ball early on. And so granted, Mason did do a good job of getting us back into the game, but then the defense let us down. And so we can never get both both uh, parts of the team working well and, and at the same time. And it was just so disappointing to see and now we go into this offseason with all these questions, man. I know for you, Cleveland has a bunch of questions. We have questions at every single uh, significant position. At quarterback, we have probably our biggest question. We have a question with our head coach, and Coach Tomlin. Will he be here? All right. We have questions for both coordinators. Terrell Austin did not do the greatest job towards the end of the season. And we were playing with um, two interim uh, offensive coordinators. Technically, they were co-offensive coordinators. Sullivan was calling plays. Faulkner was setting up the game plan throughout the week. He had the official title of offensive coordinator. But there are some changes that need to be made, obvious ones, and it's going to be an interesting offseason. But it was a sad way to end this. And Tomlin wasn't having it at the post-game press conference. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. It just disappeared. Exit stage left. I'm out. and, And what can he say? Like, well, it's, 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 it's better than going off. It's better than going off on a reporter. Hey, kudos to that reporter 
the reporter did nothing wrong. No, that's Rick the Potter. question. She's she's awesome. She's she ESPN writer, uh, good reporter. It's a fair question. It is. And it's it's a the question, question you're supposed to ask. Yeah. And so often, people get fluff and they just ask, "And what do you think about the game? We just effing lost. What do you mean? What do I think about the game? Like it, yeah. they'll just ask stupid stuff, but." That is, hey, these reporter out there, what do you think? He took a shot, might not answer it, might do exactly what he did, or he does answer it, and you get something. But that is what you're supposed to do as a reporter, is yeah. ask that question. She did nothing wrong. I don't think Tomlin did anything wrong. No. I mean, the, the only other thing he could have done is, like, I'm not going to answer that right now. It's What's your, but even what, that, mama, even, what does everybody mama say? If you have nothing nice to say, don't, don't say, say anything at, at all. all. Right. And if and the only other thing he could have done is, you know, I'm not going to. But then those headlines are on first take, and Tomlin refuses to answer, says he doesn't want to talk about it right now, and people yeah. speculate. So there's no right way, but that is what it's for. It did nothing wrong. Um, somebody who knows a lot about asking the right question, what goes on in locker rooms, your friend, Aditi Kinkawala. You want to go ahead and run back what Let's she go. had to say? Yeah. Let's, 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 go ahead talk, and do it. let's talk to Aditi a little bit. Oh, my good friend Aditi from CBS Sports and formerly of NFL Network is joining us on Pod Me Up. Thanks for joining us, Aditi. It's so good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. It's funny that we're actually going to have these conversations now in front of other people because we have been having these conversations for know, a few right? years privately, right? <laughs> it's kind of how this was born is Trey would Trey and I would text right, on the weekends. Right, exactly. We're like, let's go ahead and let everybody, let's clean it up a little bit, but let's go ahead and let everybody know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I could say everything that I say to Trey privately, but we can go ahead and give it a try. Um, well, while first, we're getting hey, started. Before we start, right, Rich, well, can we just do a wellness check? Trey, you feeling okay after what your Steelers did yesterday? You know what? Surprisingly, I'm not as mad today as I thought I would be. Um, really? yesterday was, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the fans are blaming the rest. I'm not, um, we did not execute. Uh, we were overmatched, uh, and we did some of the things that have been giving us issues the entire year. So I wasn't totally surprised by how it went down. Um, I was, I put things in perspective relatively quick because we were playing with the third string quarterback against an MVP caliber candidate and Josh Allen every year. So he played a good game. Mason actually played solid, but uh, we just didn't do enough to uh, keep it competitive. We, we we got it down to one score in the fourth. So that's about as best as I could have hoped for it from the way that things started out. But I am okay. I am okay. All right. That's fair. Aditi, you're way too kind, by the way, because <laughs> I'm in a group text with him and some of these Steelers people, and they were not as kind to me on Saturday and Sunday as the Browns were getting thumped in Houston. So you're, Isn't you're a good friend. People get off on other people's misery. I don't right. really know that. I mean, Sheesh. worry about your own backyard, but okay, that's fine. If that's what right. makes you feel good, other people being sad makes you feel good. Then. Okay. <laughs> I didn't dog you too bad, Rody, right? No, that's it wasn't you. Cool. It was. Could, yeah. Well, we've, we've, we've got a cordial thing where you and I go back, but it's, it's the rest of the Steelers fans that thought, they were going to beat their chest on Saturday, forgetting they still had a game to play on Sunday, which was a little bit ironic. But the most important thing I need to ask before we get started with the in-depth stuff is, uh, have you thought out yet from Kansas City? 
You know what? Just as I was starting to feel a little bit better, I got the assignment to be in Buffalo this coming week. I checked weather.com really quickly, and now I'm just not going to look at it again because, yeah, that, I've never been so cold in my entire life as I was in Kansas City on Saturday. I was walking across the parking lot to get to the stadium and started crying. And I literally said to oh. my producer, I'm not sure I can do this. It was wow. that bad. Yeah. yeah. Before and we I've, got, I I've got some extra meat on me too. It went, it was still so bad. It was just like <laughs> in my face, horrible. But anyway. Well, before we turn the page to the next season stuff, and I got a couple of questions, because I know you're really tied into Browns, Steelers, really the whole AFC North and football in whole, but um, starting with the playoff games last week, this past week, and it just ended, I, I preach to Trey all the time. Can you talk a little bit about the job you think Mike Tomlin did? Because in my opinion, you and Trey just kind of talked about what happened, but that was a roster that had no business even making the playoffs. And I just have the utmost respect for Mike Tomlin and what he's able to do to keep that team competitive year in and year out. I mean, there's two ways to look at everything, right? You can say that, yes, but that roster also lays at his feet because he has more say than just about anybody in who is chosen, who is selected. He has been in lockstep with Kevin Colbert the whole time. And now he has that with Omar Khan. Omar Khan, whose background is not necessarily as a personnel guy. Omar Khan, who has worked kind of, I don't want to say under but in that building with Mike Tomlin, who's a very, very strong personality, do you think Omar Khan is fighting Mike Tomlin on picks? True. And I mean, it was a very good draft, we'll say that. But, you know, when you talk about personnel and mismanagement of personnel and development of personnel, that's also, I'm the head coach. That's you true. know, you can sit here and say, well, look at what he did with these players and with certain things, but also Matt Canada is at his feet. And entrusting a young quarterback to an offensive coordinator who had no experience and one could argue no standing to be an offensive coordinator in the National Football League. Well, okay, so chicken or egg. I mean, we've seen what great coaching can do for young quarterbacks. We've seen what development can do for quarterbacks. We've seen when you bring it, just you mentioned the AFC North, go down the road to Baltimore. John Harbaugh wanted more for Joe Flacco than he thought Cam Cameron was giving him. So he made a tough decision. He fired Cam Cameron and had Jim Caldwell take over the reins. And guess yeah. what John Harbaugh did? He won a Super Bowl. Then he had Marty Morningwedding and Greg Roman, and he made a switch to Lamar Jackson. And he said, you know what? Greg Roman is better suited to Lamar Jackson. And so he said goodbye to Marty Morningweg. Then he said, you know what? Greg Roman has only taken Lamar Jackson so far. I need to bring in a new coach. And I'm not just going to do something like elevate someone on the staff. I'm not going to do the simply most popular thing and go find someone from that Shanahan coaching tree. I've got a quarterback who's not a system quarterback who has some very specific coaching that he needs. And he went out and got a guy that he had no relationship with, Todd Munkin. And look at what that offense has done. So you can sit here and say, well, Mike Tomlin didn't have great quarterback play this year, but how much of that is on Mike Tomlin? I don't know. Well, I'm asking you. Go ahead. Yes. Chicken and egg. Along those lines, though, we're, we're starting to see a shift um, in the old school way of coaching. Um, and you see the Bill Belichick's and the Pete Carroll's uh, have all left their prospective teams. And now Tomlin is the longest tenure coach 
and you also mentioned how John Harbaugh, the second longest tenure coach, I think now, um, is uh, willing to make the changes in order to kind of usher that offense or that team into the new age of way uh, the NFL is going, but by, while maintaining the mystique that is the Baltimore Ravens. And I think the Steelers kind of stuck in a, in a tough in-between spot because they want to keep the lore of what has been the Steelers for, gave them the prestige that has been one of the better franchises in, for years now. How do they make that shift uh, similar to Baltimore to coming into the age? Do they need a new head coach? Are there other changes on the staff that need to happen in order for them to become more current with today's way of playing the game? I think that we all need to grow and evolve and not be afraid of tweaking what we do. And the way that I parent my two-year-old is not the way that I, the same way that I parent him now that he's eight. And so two things can be true. Mike Tomlin can be a great coach who needs to adjust and tweak a few things. And I've said this over and over again, I've been consistent in saying it. I'll use the same exact line that I think I've used with you, Trey, this year. Nobody is A through Z. No one, no one is A and B and C and D and E and F and all the way down to Z. So Mike Tomlin may be A through X, but he's not Y and he's not Z. This is why you have ownership. This is why you have a front office that ostensibly is supposed to be strong. You go ahead and you help your head coach tweak Y and tweak Z. And if your head coach isn't capable of doing Y and Z, then you bring in someone who can. And I'll give you the perfect example. When I first got into the National Football League, I covered the New York Giants. Tom Coughlin was as strict of a martinet as it could be. That strictness, that level of discipline was starting to fall on deaf ears. And so John Mara, the Giants owner, pulled him in and he said, we love you. We believe you are the coach for us but you need to tweak a few things. These players need to see who you are with your grandchildren occasionally. These players need to see that there's more to you than just this. So Tom Coughlin, what does he do? He adjusts a little bit. And then what does he do? He wins two Super Bowls and his players love him. They say he's strict. You've seen, I mean, go and look what Mike Strahan says about how much he hated him, but then he appreciated him. So Mike Tomlin, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe he needs a little bit more discipline. Maybe Antonio Brown got away with not being a training camp. Antonio Brown got to be late for a flight to go see the Raiders and Mike Tomlin held a plane for him. But maybe you don't sit here and not censure Deontay Johnson when he gives up on a play and not censure George Pickens when he refuses to tackle because he doesn't want to refuses to block because he doesn't want to get hurt. You know, and you think about maybe when you're not fining guys for missing meetings, or you're not holding, forget the fines, you're not holding players accountable for missing meetings. What is the message you're sending to the rest of the locker room? And if you don't want to be the guy finding them, then have your GM find them. If you don't want to be the guy sitting a player for not being all in, then let the GM do it. So again, I don't think that the Steelers need to move on from Mike Tomlin, but I think he needs a better staff around him. I think that he needs to hold players accountable in a certain way. I think he needs stronger veteran leadership within his locker room on the offensive side of the ball too. I just, I I think that a lot of the good gets lost in these other things that don't need to be that difficult. Aditi, I want to go to, um, Cleveland 
And You're just going to leave I that? Trey's not going to even I, say I, anything I, back? I, I, I disagree I, with I, me? I, 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 you have any thoughts? Well, I, I don't know that we can say anything. I'm, I'm kind of speechless because you've just completely 180'd my view on Mike Tomlin, to be honest. And really? you, you, yes, because I am from Cleveland, Browns fan. And maybe it's just because of our history with our franchise in Cleveland. You cherish a man like Mike Tomlin. No, you've not seen that in Cleveland. And, but you're right. There's flaws within every one of these coaches that need to be addressed. And that's kind of where I was going to go with this is, is likening that. But Trey, if you got something on Tomlin, because you and I've gone back and forth, you flipped a couple times this season out of frustration and yeah. Uh, he in the moment type of conversations that we've had. Overall, I, I know and appreciate the greatness that Coach Tomlin is, and I can't disagree with anything that Aditi said as far as the discipline concerns. It sounds like that is the Y and Z that you're bringing up that Tomlin is missing. It's, yes, and it's, the discipline, it's the accountability and it's the staff. You know, I have yeah. a problem, I, and I keep saying this over and over again. I have a problem with the longest tenured head coach in the National Football League, not ever having a coach go on to be a head coach other than the guy he fired, Bruce Arians, and not having an assistant coach go on to be a coordinator other than another guy that he fired, Dick LeBeau, who was a guy that he inherited. Why has no young coach ever been developed to go on? If you have great coaches, people want to come and get them. No one wants to come and get these coaches. And I think part of being a head coach is coaching your coaches is developing your coaches. So, and if you have great coaches, they're developing your players. <laughs> like, isn't that how that whole thing works? Right. So yeah, I, I, but again, it's hard to coach in the National Football League. It's hard to be relevant every single December. I, and I am a little sarcastic about it. At some point, what is your standard? What do you want? You know, Mike Tomlin, I've lived in this city now for 12 years, 13 years. He says we're hunting Lombardis. The standard is the standard. Okay, so a winning season isn't enough for you. You are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your goal is winning in the playoffs, not winning in the regular season. Your goal is getting those trophies. If you haven't won a playoff game in seven years and you're not anywhere close to any of those trophies, then really yeah, what I mean, good the is goal. all this? Yeah. yeah, so like exactly. Who are you and what is your goal? Is your goal the playoffs? Is your goal a non-losing season? Or is your goal winning the Lombardi trophy? Yeah, and, so I think that whole non-losing season thing is starting to fall on deaf ears and people are just tired of it because, yeah, it's been eight seasons, seven seasons since we've won a playoff game. Uh, and so, and like, former player, won a Super Bowl with Coach Tomlin, love him to death, but he's not above reproach. Um, and what you mentioned are a, a, a lot of the legit issues that we got to go into. And so that's why I'm, I'm thinking going into this offseason, it feels different than it has been in the past. Even well, with the hot streak that we find in Mason Rudolph, Coach Tomlin can hang his hat on the fact that he finally made that that decision. He knows himself. He can hang his hat on the fact that he fired Canada finally after it was it was in your face that he was not the guy to continue on his team. And he, he kept him for way too long. But he did make the, the decision to let him go midseason, which hadn't been done. And so Trey, when we talk about when yeah. we talk about Mike Tomlin winning a Super Bowl, that was a very, very different team. Your oh, yeah. team was a locker room full of professionals. These yes. were grown men who did not need to be policed, did not need their hand held, did not need to be taught. This is how you go about doing your job. 
So now you have a different generation. Now you have younger players that maybe don't have that same level of professionalism of an of a Casey Hampton and an Aaron Smith and a Brett Kiesel and all of those guys and a Chris Hoke and all of those people that you played with. It's just different. So you need to evolve. And, you know, like we'll talk about John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh has won with two quarterbacks, with Joe Flacco and with Lamar Jackson. We're waiting to see. And by win, I mean winning games, winning. Although I guess people Divisions, can hear and yeah. argue that John Harbaugh hasn't won a playoff game yet with Lamar Jackson. Let's see. But anyway, my point right. is you need to evolve as a coach. And we can't keep going back to somebody won a long time ago. It's the same thing that people said about Bill Belichick. Belichick won with Brady. Then what happened? And he's the greatest coach of all time. I just think that it's fair to expect. I'm not the same reporter or journalist that I was 20 years ago. And I wouldn't have a job if I was. Right, Rody, last one before I let you try to shift. No, no, this is, but, no, you guys go yeah. ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm being enlightened right now because, again, when, when you talk about Mike Tomlin and stuff, I separate the two front office from – game day coaching, I guess, in my head. And I look at what he's able to do as a coach with that roster as, as far as keeping them. I just look, And then I just never put two and two together about how much say he probably, being as tenured as he is, has yeah, in forming that roster. And that's absolutely, to your point, Aditi, is what's going – that's part of the job at this point. And if so you're we, failing in that regard, it's part of it. As we embark on this offseason, the biggest question, obviously, outside of Coach Tomlin and if he stays, is the quarterback position. We see the final four in the AFC. We got Josh Allen. We got uh, Lamar Jackson. We got Pat Mahomes. And we got C.J. Stroud. All four MVP. And you can even put C.J. Stroud in, in that boat at this point. MVP, MVP caliber type quarterbacks. Ones that are going to be playing quarterback for their team for the next decade or so. Um Kenny Pickett, obviously, is number one on the depth chart, even when Mason was starting. Um, it is of my belief he can't go into this offseason with number one uh, attached to him. He can't just be given the keys to this franchise again after not putting up an impressive year and not being the guy that Coach Tomlin went to at the end of the year this past year. So is there anything in Kenny Pickett that you've seen that would give you hope that he could – thrive under a new offensive coordinator or do we need to make a splash some sort of big move at that position uh if it comes down to it whether it be in the draft or going after somebody like Kirk Cousins or Justin Fields in free agency or via trade I think that Kenny Pickett has not been set up to succeed and mm -hmm. I think it is way too early to make any sort of judgment on him I will tell you this it is my job as a reporter at CBS and for 10 years prior to that at the NFL Network, but especially as someone who's involved in calling games, we get a behind the curtain look at clubs all over the National Football League. There was not a single, there is not a single team in the NFL that runs offense the way the Steelers were planning, installing, teaching offense under Matt Canada. The game design, the game plan design, the game calling, all of that. There is no way that Kenny Pickett was set up to succeed. And there are plenty of examples of quarterbacks that if they're actually put in a decent position, what can they do? Baker Mayfield, 
Let's talk about that one, upsetting the Eagles just last night. Eight head coaches, six different offenses in six years, called a bust, called everything that you want. Guess what? He's got more playoff wins than Mike Tomlin does since he's been in the NFL. Baker Mayfield has two playoff wins in the last few years. That's a death sentence for a quarterback to have that many coordinators Eight head and head coaches. coaches. In six seasons. Six offenses in six seasons. But here's why I bring up Baker Mayfield. Because he's got that internal belief. He's got that fortitude. He's not letting somebody say he's something that he doesn't believe he is. And I think that that's who Kenny Pickett is. Do I think Kenny Pickett is another CJ Stroud? I don't know that. Do I think Kenny Pickett is Patrick Mahomes? No, I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. I don't. I'm not delusional here. But I also don't think that we've had a fair assessment yet of who he is. And I think that there are often narratives about quarterbacks that this guy is a bust or this guy can't do it or this guy did badly on this mental test, whatever. Put them under some good coaching, put some pieces around them, and then let's talk about it. It's the same about Bryce Young. It's a conversation I had with Adam Thielen this year before a game where Thielen was just unbelievably bullish on Bryce Young. And I was like, I don't get it, but why? What makes you so confident? I can look and say, okay, CJ got stepped into a better position than Bryce Young did in terms of what was around him, how much talent he had around him. But Thielen made the exact same point. That Bryce Young's mentality, his character, his levelness, the way that he shows up to work, the way he is unbowed, and think about all the pieces that are around him. It's a rare quarterback. This isn't basketball, guys. This isn't like Michael Jordan scores 60 by himself, and who cares if there are four other guys on the court or not. I mean, you need so much to go right around you. You, it, It's a team sport for a reason. So... Trey, I'm not willing to give up on Kenny Pickett until I see him with a real coaching staff, with a real offense, with a real chance to succeed. All right. So my rebuttal to that, and I want, I preface this by saying I want Kenny to succeed. Like he is the quarterback. And if he's going to be our quarterback, I want him to play well. I'm not like a lot of fans who just want to bury guys once they don't perform right away. And so I will acknowledge the fact that he did not, he was not set up in the right situation with Matt Canada at coordinator, but my, I do look at other quarterbacks who were in similar situations where they weren't getting developed. And one was on our team and Mitchell Trubisky early on in his career with Matt Nagy up in Chicago. Uh, it was well-documented that they thought that he was not developing him properly, but you saw signs of Trubisky having a couple of 400, 660 pass games he led the, the the bears to the playoffs one year um i'm looking for that spark in kenny that shows me that he has the potential to do something to be that guy for us and through i don't know is it 20 starts now in his career there hasn't been that moment he had a couple of fourth quarter comebacks at the end of his rookie year and it's always hard to play as a rookie don't get me wrong especially in the AFC north but i'm outside of just seeing his how he moves around the locker room, his demeanor. I've been well, well, well documented saying that he, I feel like he's a great leader. He has all the intangibles you want in the huddle as your quarterback. What I haven't seen is the physical skill set uh, consistently. Like he's not the most accurate passer. He doesn't have the strongest arm. His pocket awareness, which actually is the most concern for me, 
he seems to be seeing ghosts a lot of times. And granted, we can talk about that. We have a whole nother segment about the offensive line. I know they haven't been the best, and I know the offensive line coach has been a revolving door as well. But what is it in Kenny physically that you see that lets you know or lets you at least give him more time to develop under a new coordinator? So I trust Mike Sullivan, Mike Sullivan, who was Eli Manning's coach, Mike Sullivan, who's won Super Bowls. I trust Mike Sullivan when he says that Kenny can make all the throws that he needs to make. And okay. here's what I'd say. You know that I talk to coaches around the league all the time. You're questioning his accuracy. Do you know the wide receivers were running the right routes? Do you know that the wide receivers were where they were supposed to be? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean I'm sure it's, it's all encompassing. I'm sure the wide receivers and the running the routes, especially the way Deontay and GP were out there doing the things. That, I'm, I can't trust that they're doing everything they're doing on their end as well, to, to your point. I mean, I just, I just think it's really hard. You can't choose this. You can't make this decision to stay or cut bait in a vacuum. You have to recognize that there are a lot of other factors. And But going back to what you were saying, Rich, about Mike Tomlin, the Steelers had no succession plan at quarterback. No, there's there's nothing beyond. And I, not retiring for years and years and years. How many years did he hint at retirement? Yep. And there was no succession plan. So, and Mason was not, Mason Rudolph was not properly developed, you know, when you look at it, it's Mason did fine comparatively speaking at the end of this season, but it was but average. look at what happened as soon it as he was playing with house money. Look at what happened yes. as soon as there was all of a sudden, you know, it's and I'll say this and I hope it's okay that I'll say this, but I was texting with Todd Haley last night and he had actually publicly tweeted before I had even said it. I had said it in my chat with my crew at one point. I was like, All right, this isn't the same Mason, maybe it's time to go to Kenny Pickett. And then Todd and I were talking, and he said that he had actually tweeted that same thing before I'd even talked about it with my crew. Mason was playing with house money for a while. He thought he was done. He had already started looking to next year and had decided that his NFL career was over, what his real life job was going to be, where he was going to live. He was playing free right? This was all gravy. All of a sudden you get into the playoffs. All of a sudden there is actually some pressure. And Mason just from the very start looked very different. He looked tighter. He looked more nervous. He didn't look like himself. And he kind of looked like the Mason that we had seen where we sort of knew who Mason was, right? And he, and he played a team that was also in a playoff game, not a team that was just getting through the end of their season, a defense that was the Bengals defense was bad down you know, down the stretch, there were injuries and stuff there. So, and by and large, Mason played average, but average was good. Yeah, I he average was what they. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. expecting Mason to, to like no. grow up, but I didn't think he played. I thought he played as well as any other. He proved he could be a backup in the league. Yeah, he proved yeah, he could he be a backup in the backup. league, and he can get a roster spot. He gave, um, he gave us a chance at the end of the game. Uh, and yeah. I, and I, that's actually more than what I would have bargained for from him. So, uh, Didi, you you mentioned something I, I wanted to kind of rewind to talking about Kenny Pickett, and you had brought up Baker Mayfield as well. How much insight do you get when you are in those meetings with the crews and the teams and stuff like that? Because some of these offenses, to your point, are such timing and rhythm offenses. I know it was a big problem with Baker when he was in Cleveland. Once they went to having all this money tied up in the wide receiver room in Cleveland, I, I think Baker's in the perfect position down in Tampa now because Mike Evans seems to be about as humble a star wide receiver. He's going to be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. And you can count on that in a rhythm offense. And 
what would be the ideal system for the Steelers to put Kenny Pickett into? You know, but it's funny. There has to be trust. So, yes, to what you said, Mike Evans was an absolute pleasure and joy when we got to sit with him. Um, He is – there are certain guys, Mike Evans, Khalil Mack, they are just the – most unsuperstar-like superstars. I don't know how else to say that. Just no ego about them. But I'll t- I'll tell you this. Andy Reid said this to us. We had the Chiefs and Chargers week 18, and we were talking to Andy Reid about how his offense this year, the Chiefs' offense, is so different and so unlike what we've gotten used to. We haven't seen the explosive plays. You hear Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes of all people saying, hey, if we need to punt and let the defense do their job, that's okay. Sometimes you just have to take the underneath stuff. And Andy Reid said that he can see the hesitation in Patrick Mahomes a little bit because his receivers aren't always where they're supposed to be when they need to be there. So even Patrick Mahomes, who we think of as one of the most dynamic, freelancing, make things happen type of guys, even his head coach is saying that he needs his receivers to be at a certain spot when they're supposed to be there. And so that's just part of it. I'll also say, let me just say this piece of it because I don't want some part being taken out of context. Andy Reid also gave Mahomes so much credit for being so patient with these young receivers, working extra after practice with them, never, ever losing his temper. McCole Hardman made that point to me that Mahomes never, as competitive as he is, never gets angry at his receivers. He's just always there to work with them. But yeah, I mean, it's this is the nature of the game. And quarterbacks and wide receivers need to have trust in each other. That's it. I mean, I even you- crazy stuff that we saw with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown when Roethlisberger had no business throwing the ball to Antonio Brown when he was in triple coverage. But that's also a level of trust that if AB wasn't going to come down with the ball, he wasn't going to let somebody else catch the ball either. You know, well, the it's individual, like, yeah, the individual talent of the wide receivers. I, I've talked to you, Trey, about how I think Antonio Brown's probably one of the top five route runners ever in the history ever. of of the game, but then trusted him to be, they put in the hours of trust where they're going to be the first. And you've been around a lot, this game a long time at the professional level. I remember the first time it really stuck out to me. Aditi was uh, Carson Palmer and Chad Ochocinco because Chad Ochocinco, another great route runner, but Palmer would throw picks because he wasn't where he thought he was supposed to be. And that level for a young quarterback. I mean, we're talking about Pat Mahomes, and we're talking about Carson Palmer. We're talking about established veteran all-pro quarterbacks who can get that little bit of doubt. If you're a rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett or a young quarterback, it just will crush your development, in my opinion. So I, 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 I remember I did a story at the Wall Street Journal. You could go look this up. This is the year before the Giants won their second Super Bowl under Tom Coughlin. Um, Eli Manning threw 25 interceptions. And we went back and watched the All-22 of All-25. And I think 14 of them, 15 of them weren't on him. It's like he expected Hakeem Nix to cut right and instead he cut left. Or he put a ball, there was six foot six wide receiver named Ramsey's Barden. He put a ball where only his six foot six receiver could catch it and the ball would go off of Barden's hands and into somebody else's hands. You know, sometimes, like I, remember, I think there was one long one, it might have been against Indianapolis. 
I don't even know why I'm making this up right now. I think it was Indy, but whatever. He overthrew Steve Smith. Okay, that's on the quarterback. He overthrew your wide receiver. But again, like I said, it was something like 15 of those 25 interceptions were very clearly on the wide receiver and not the quarterback. So, but Eli Manning was the type of guy that could brush that. I could brush that off that wasn't eaten alive by that. That's not every quarterback. I remember Charlie Batch once telling me that there are quarterbacks that will never throw a Hail Mary at the end of a half because they don't, they're worried about their interception numbers. And Eli Manning wasn't a guy that cared about that. He was going to give his team a chance. I think Ben Roethlisberger was that kind of guy too. Like who cares if it's a pick, we're going to do what we can to give our team a chance. So, but that's not every quarterback and that's certainly not every young quarterback. And when Trey was talking about Kenny Pickett's leadership, 100% he is that leader, but it's hard to lead when you're young and you don't necessarily have that body of work that makes you feel like people are listening to you. I do have to, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you one question about the Cleveland Browns having you on here. And I, to preface this, I want to go back to 2020. The Browns make the playoffs. It's the fancy's first year, and Baker has a great year. The Miles Garrett is still coming into his own. The defense plays well. They hang right there with Kansas City in the playoffs. A bad, you know, Rashard Higgins hit fumble out of bounds from it even being a closer game. But it felt like all the momentum was moving forward the next season because you felt like you found your coach, you found your quarterback, you had your staple on defense. You knew where you were heading as a franchise. I, this is where I want you to tell me where are the Browns heading because of all the injuries. What Nick Chubb are they going to get back? What Deshaun Watson? I feel like there's more uncertainty with the Browns going in toward next year now because of all the injuries. And I don't know what to expect next season. This should have been an 11-6 season that catapults them. And now I have almost more questions than I did after that 2020 season. I never, ever, ever count out Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is probably one of my three favorite players in the National Football League. And um, there is no, from nothing I have been, to- nothing I have been told suggests that it, either of the surgeries were complicated, that he will not be able to come back from them. Of course, we don't know. The human body heals differently. Let's see. But I would never count him out. Deshaun Watson had put together his best outing against Baltimore before his season ended. I think it's very, very hard to have had the layoff that he had to have the fits and starts. The season was just derailed by all the injuries. He was finally starting to put it together. I think he has a tremendous relationship with Kevin Stefanski. There's no reason not to feel optimistic. I mean, why? Like, why wait for the shoe to drop? Who knows? Who knows? It is hard to win in the National Football League. You don't know. But I do think that the Cleveland Browns have finally found the stability at the top of the organization that they need. I think that Andrew Barry arguably is GM of the year, constantly reloading that roster with the caliber of players that they lost. I think Kevin Stefanski deserves so much credit for keeping this team in it the way that he did. And again, I think you feel good about the leadership that's there. And I don't know. We don't know about Deshaun Watson the same way about Kenny Pickett. We don't know. We don't know until he has some good coaching and he's in a stable offense. We don't know about Deshaun Watson until he's actually healthy and can put together stack game after game after game. Then let's talk about it. I'm not ready to say yes or no on him yet as a player. Well, before we let you go, Aditi, first of all, thanks for coming on once again. I got to ask you this question. We need your opinion to break this tie. Who is the defensive player of the year this year? 
Oh God. <laughs> I, I heard Miles Garrett. You know, it's funny because a few weeks ago I said that. I mean, the playoffs are not supposed to matter, but you're asking me when the playoffs start. Um, a few weeks ago, I said, well, you know, Miles Garrett has been the best player on the best defense in the NFL. And we've seen Miles just do some ridiculously absurd things while facing double and triple teams all the time. You know, I go back to early in the season and I had this game when he was playing with the Titans. You remember where he's just running back and forth and the two guys are following him. I saw him in Indianapolis leapfrog over a guy to block a field goal. Mm -hmm. He is a specimen in a crazy way. But I've never seen a team go as a player goes the way the Steelers do with TJ Watt. And TJ Watt's production level, you know, Miles Garrett has a back end that's one of the best back ends in the National Football League. The way that those corners have played. Miles Garrett has two unbelievably fast linebackers playing behind him. Miles Garrett plays in a defense where they just play. It's not complicated like a Steve Spagnolo defense. It's, you know, if I'm going to sit here and tell you playing quarterback is about the pieces that you have around you, Miles Garrett is indeed a unicorn. Miles Garrett is indeed one of the best defensive players on the planet. But Miles Garrett has a lot more guys around him than TJ Watt had around him this year. And that one and 11, and I know that's not all this year, but it's just a statement on who TJ Watt is. And it's something that I've said about TJ for a long time. You know, up until now, I've always said I take TJ over Miles simply because TJ makes players around him better just by virtue of being TJ. You're not going to disappoint TJ. TJ is that guy that he's the best player on your team, but he's the first one in and the last one out. He's like Tom Brady. When your best player is working harder than everybody, how do you not work? Right. So like, I've always loved that about TJ and I, you know, a few weeks ago, this is why it's great that I don't have a vote. So like, I can keep changing my mind. Who cares? A few weeks ago, I did say that I think it was miles, but like, if you'd ask me right now, I'd say, I think it's TJ. You know who I blame Aditi? You can, you can blame, I blame the Cowboys for this. Cause you could have just punted and said Micah Parsons. If it no, wasn't with the Cowboys. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, not at all. No. Just to, just to get under Trey's skin. You I mean, I punted. could say Aaron Donald because I really think Aaron Donald is that person and I don't care about stats and I don't care yeah. about, you know, and it's, and Khalil Mack had a monster, 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 monster year, year too. Mack monster Crosby. year at the age of 34. And it's funny because Khalil and I actually talked about it. I asked him a few weeks ago. I was like, if you had a DPOY uh, vote, who would you give it to? And he talked about Miles and he talked about AD. And he said about Aaron Donald, you know, like that he'll tease Aaron Donald. He'll have a monster game, like whatever. Let's pretend it's a four sack game. And he'll say to Aaron Donald, well, you just screwed yourself. You're going to face triple and quadruple teams all next week. In the middle of the line. Yes. And that's the thing about Aaron Donald. He plays in the middle of the defense. He is constantly, everybody is focused on slowing him and it doesn't even matter. And Aaron Donald single-handedly won that Super Bowl. But TJ does that too, right? Like the the Steelers were up in Buffalo a few years ago, the first year after COVID, and TJ won that game. So I I don't know. I mean, this is like apples, oranges. Ask me in an hour and I might have a different answer. (laughs) I heard TJ. We're going to stick with that. I appreciate you (laughs) for taking my side. 
Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Aditi. Avoid the snowballs and the cold and stay warm in Buffalo. Yeah, I'll I'll give you my luck out my window. I got to go shovel the driveway. Oh, Trey is just teasing us all in his warm weather. It was a little wet down here in Atlanta, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nine (laughs) degrees here. Thanks, Aditi. Bye, guys. Bye. There she is, Trey. Yeah. Aditi. There she is. Pretty awesome. And had a lot of fun talking to her. She um, obviously has developed a lot of relationships that gives her unique insights on what makes teams click. Obviously, she worked with Pittsburgh for a while exclusively and then has worked in Cleveland the last couple of years before she uh, has her current assignment. But, I mean, what she said about Coach Tomlin in that locker room and the what has to happen in order for the Steelers to get out this this rut, this this, this uh, consistent state of mediocrity. Um, it all starts at the top, and Coach Tomlin is going to have to use this year to really surround himself with high-level coaches. It is surprising now that he is the longest tenure coach and he does not have one of his own hires that have gone on. For as long as he's been around to be a coordinator or a head coach. That is, you can't, you can't look at anybody else and say they coached the team that long and have not had anybody. And I didn't realize that. And and again, it's, and you listen back to the conversation. First of all, thank you to Aditi because I love that we've gotten people on with us so far who just love to talk ball. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I tried to move on because I didn't want to take up too much of her day and her time. She's like, no, 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 let's go back. I want Trey to talk about this. And I'm just trying to get as much in as I can because she's a busy person. She's going to Buffalo again. She just was in Kansas City, Detroit. She's all over the place, and she carves out time for us to just sit and talk ball with us. So She got some um, little ones to take care of too, so I know she's a busy lady, um, but – Really, and she's got she's shovel. got driveways to shovel and, right. and things like that to do. But um, so yeah, I'm just trying to get it. She's like, no, no, I want Trey to Trey's got to weigh in on this. And so the people that are coming on to to just talk with us like that because she really did, and I mean it when I say this. I didn't ever just put two and two together about Tomlin and his involvement in the front office right. and how much he's responsible. Like I, like I said, I look at it and I do see that he is getting the most out of a roster that is just not a very good roster. But I've also absolved him of his responsibility in that roster and choosing those players. And some of that blame lies at his feet. And that mm-hmm. development lies at his feet as well. And most importantly, the, the staffing hires to what your your point, what you just said. More so than anything. And, yeah, and because keeping you can that say, Canada around. Right. Um, having Colbert, uh, who has uh, a history of success, you knew that he had a say in the roster and Tom had a say. There is he you could absolve him to a certain extent because it's not a total Tomlin decision. Who he brings on his coaching staff, though, I don't know if you can take any blame away from Tomlin. He is he's hiring staff. these coaches. That's his staff. And that's, that's who he staff. and he's stuck with the staff. Not only have they underperformed. He's given them ample opportunity to approve, and they didn't, and he kept them on despite that for a long time to the detriment of player development. And so when that's all said and done, give him credit for getting this team, dragging this team 
to a playoff appearance, but you got to go at him. You got to lay the blame for the performance because a lot of the reason why we have such a low ceiling is because of some of the decisions he's made with uh, the coaching staff. And, and to your point, that's why I think, and we brought this up about a month ago, I think that both sides may be better suited just to just to do that at this point. Well, she brought up some good points. Aditi brought up some good points about the adjustment that, that John Harbaugh made. And so for a long time, I used to think that Harbaugh or the, the Ravens in general tried to run their franchise, their organization, similar to how Pittsburgh did. A lot of decisions they made, how they played the game of football, they had to really look at the model that Pittsburgh did. And so that's why Baltimore and Pittsburgh were so much alike, uh, especially in the early 2000s. And that's why the battles and the rivalry is so fierce because we are built similarly. We have some of the same um, philosophies and principles that permeate throughout the entire organization from the players to the front office to the coaching staff. But what Harbaugh has done, he has evolved. He has identified issues when it comes to coaching and the chemistry and the mix that she brought up Cam Cameron um, and Joe Flacco. Cam Cameron had to go. They brought in Jim Caldwell and Caldwell was able to put it. And that was later in the season too. I think maybe like now it's like week 14 or something. I remember when that happened. And so he did, he did the same thing again, Roman, there was, there was a hard ceiling with Roman and the development he got on Lamar Jackson, so they had to go to Munkin. And Munkin was able to really open up some things for Lamar Jackson in the offense. And so you want to see if Tomlin has the ability to do the same thing. You want to see if he can get out of his own way, uh, not really lie on the things that haven't worked up until this point, and try something new. Like really go through the process of bringing somebody out, somebody in from the outside who has new ideas and can really resonate with the guys on offense who, I mean, this offense needs to be more explosive. One that she also hit on something we've talked about before too, and that's the players coach thing and the discipline thing. Um, Back when you guys were going through the rough patch against the Cardinals and Patriots, and she mentioned the George Pickens situation and stuff. I, I told you these things have always existed, but A, you were winning, and B, she brought up the point it was also handled internally, not so much by the coaches, but the players. The players mm-hmm. on your team right. held the right. others accountable. Right now, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, context matters, words matter. It is a roster full of babies, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't mean babies like in the crybaby sense. I mean a very, mm-hmm. very young team. And there's not that person that Tomlin can say, you have it on defense. You still have Cam on defense for right now. You still have TJ on defense. But what happens when you get to a situation where now that side of the ball flips over too and the inmates are running the whole asylum, not just one side of the ball? And there's nobody on that offense. Again, Kenny, to your point, and I I do believe this about him, is I I don't think Kenny Pickett is good right now. I didn't think that he was worthy of a first-round draft pick, but he is where he is, and he was drafted where he was drafted, and you have to do with that what you will. But I do think that he has those leadership qualities and intangibles that you've always talked about, but you have to be good. you got to be good. You got you, Guys will not follow matter. you just because you can write a nice speech or right. you knew the right thing to stay in the, in the huddle or you you work out good. Like you, you know, Like, those things are great and they matter, 
only up to a certain point. And so, like, and to to your point about the youth, yes, they're young, uh, they're babies, uh, so to speak. But we can't even use that as an excuse anymore because there's another team that's even younger than us on the offensive side of the ball that is having success, won a playoff game on Sunday, and that's Green Bay. They have a quarterback that's just as young as Pickett. Green Bay and um, Houston. Yeah, Green Bay and Houston. They both have young quarterbacks, and they have all their skill position guys are young. Green Bay is like the youngest team in 50 years. By the way, by the freaking way, shout out to Green Bay, baby. Way oh, yeah, to get us great. off the hook. Way to get us <laughs> off the hook. Right. Because I was – you know how I was actually worried about the Houston game. How long did I talk to you? I talked to you for weeks ahead. You told me. Ahead to it. You weren't the only – like my buddy, Brentley – Who's a big Browns fan, born in Youngstown? He he told me I don't want to play C.J. Stroud or Houston. He said y'all would rather play Miami, yes, in Cleveland. Yeah, would have much rather played Miami. I I told you weeks leading up to it, Houston's got to lose one of these games. Come on, Jacksonville. I was my you want to Indy or Jacksonville? My level of festivity when again we did our we did our uh, grind my gears and stuff. Why do you think I was so pissed at Trevor Lawrence for being selfish and trying to sneak the ball in? We'd be going – we we would have beat Jacksonville. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You would have beat Jacksonville, yeah. But so. and it would have saved you from this heartache because you wouldn't have made the playoffs. So we'd have both been better off. No. I mean, I still <laughs> – I see where you went there. No. Hard stop. Hard stop. <laughs> you felt much better about your situation. Mason Rudolph no. would still be the starting quarterback going into the next season for how he performed down the stretch, and you'd be good to go. Yeah. But no, I you just can't, you can't blame youth, man. Like these guys, we talked about how quarterbacks are coming in to the league woefully unprepared. And for by and large, they are. CJ Shroud is an enigma. You know, it's rare that you have a quarterback come in on a historically bad team with a the way that coach. he's been a sponge, the way that yeah. he's progressed. This year, it's just been phenomenal. Jordan Love. Jordan Love and Green Bay just knows how to do it. They know how to draft quarterbacks, and they do it in a way that gives that the guy time to develop, even though they, they're pissing behind their predecessor. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers did it for two years and three years with Brett Favre, and Jordan Love did it for two or three years behind Aaron Rodgers. And so, but you can see – the benefit of having that. And we brought up the fact that we didn't have a succession plan in Pittsburgh. We drafted Mason Rudolph, but in the third round, he was never supposed to supplant Ben. Um, and so we didn't have, as soon as Ben retired, we had Mason and, and Duck Hodges and as our quarterback. And then we tried to, we reached. You see what old Duck it, is doing now? What is he doing now? He he's he's dating that country music star Lainey Wilson. Oh, good for him. I've always liked Duck. I've always liked his personality. He's, he's an interesting cat. He is. She was, she was doing like an interview recently talking about him out wrangling animals at her farm or something. Living his best life. Go ahead, Duck. Yep. Uh but uh yeah, we reached for Kenny Pickett because we need a quarterback. But the fact that we lacked any kind of succession plan to take over once Ben. Uh, was done playing. That just tells you, you know, the the drop off and the decision making. Who really does? Green Bay's an anomaly. 
they're really the only franchise left that plans that way to sit a first round draft pick two years, three years. Um, Indy, you know this firsthand. They were thrust into Andrew Luck. Kenny Pickett was supposed to be your Andrew Luck. Problem is, Ben's retirement hit at a bad quarterback draft time. Yeah. There weren't a lot of good options. And, and this is where I rewind, you've never had a true rebuild where you've been a top five pick to be able to do that. And But the thing is, and, oh, I wish I had asked Aditi this, like because we talked about this. We talked about how rebuilding looks different from – from everybody else, Baltimore had to do it. Um, even though they were lucky enough to get Lamar Jackson while they were still good, he was, a, and the NFL scouts were stupid saying that Lamar Jackson was a running back. Um, they, they, didn't rebuild. Him. they didn't rebuild they, just like San Francisco hasn't. Right. But Baltimore had a couple of losing seasons. Like they had some bad seasons mixed in there. Um, and they rebounded quickly. So you don't remember as much. My question is, do we have to really hit rock bottom? Because I think as long as we have Tomlin as coach, we'll always be able to pull eight, nine, ten wins out of any given season. So we won't be able to get into the top 15, top 10 to draft a quarterback. We really have to do our scouting and really find a diamond in the rough, so to speak, like a Purdy or Russell Wilson in the second or third round or Jalen Hurts in the second or third round. Here's where – and here's where I'll tell you – it's yes and no, and and this is my honest opinion. It doesn't matter where you're drafting right now. You're not going to get that guy with your current coaching staff, and this isn't about Tomlin. It's because of who you've had at coordinator positions. You could have drafted top five. Kenny Pickett could have been a top five talent. He would have been ruined under Matt Canada. It doesn't matter so much where you're drafting as much as who you have developing them. So It was it – was- you Very can, insightful to hear how Didi talked about the preparation on the offensive side of the ball under Kenny. Well, Najee, Najee said so much without saying so much. Right. Najee Harris said said mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff without saying a lot of that stuff. We guys knowing where the play's going and things like that and how Kenny elementary said it, it too. was. Kenny said, "Yeah, what did he say in one press conference? We went into this uh, week thinking they're going to play man and they play zone, and we couldn't adjust between those two." They only can run two different types of defenses in the whole yeah. world. You can adjust from one to the other. There's different types of, of zones, but you should always right. have zone beater concepts in your passing game. Right. And He's um, like, we just couldn't adjust to them playing more zone this week. And that was eye-opening for me. And I mentioned but it's, it happened. It's, it, it wouldn't matter under Tomlin because of now if you get a good coordinator in there, that changes the game. Then it does matter. That's when the skill level does matter between top five overall draft pick and picking somebody 25th overall. But right. in college now, these guys, again, Brock Purdy is a prime example. You get the right guy in there who can absorb things, play within a system, not turn the ball over, yada, 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 yada. You can still win games. You don't have to be Cleveland looking for a quarterback. You don't have to be Chicago. You know how quarterback purgatory, Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit, all these places – but it doesn't matter where you're drafting if you can't develop them. If you can't develop them. And, yeah, priority number one is we need somebody who could develop a quarterback come right. in and be our coordinator. Who did he inherit? Who did Mike – and you know I think Mike Tomlin is great and I think the world of Mike Tomlin, but who did he inherit? Coaching-wise? Number seven. 
Oh, oh, yeah, Ben Benjamin. Yeah, he didn't develop him. His staff didn't develop him. Bruce Arians developed him. Yeah, and, and then it it grew from there. But that was a different coaching regime. Right. The last time you guys had to go through the quarterback carousel. And right. Bruce Arians, for all things, he's an offensive genius. He was in Cleveland. Yeah. And he got he got the world out of Kelly Holcomb somehow. <laughs> Bruce yeah, Arians no. knows quarterback play. He knows his quarterbacks. When it was coach of the year uh, in Indianapolis, when uh, Coach Pagano had to go uh, for a, a hiatus because of his yeah. cancer treatment. And so B.A. stepped right in, and Andrew Luck had his best year ever under B.A. So, yeah, like, it's 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 right there in front of our face. Like, yeah. Coach Tomlin needs to get outside of whatever it is that's making him make the decisions that he's made in the past for hiring offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. He needs to come up with a new process and evaluating which kind of coaching, what kind of personality he brings on his team yep. that can mesh and get the most out of these young players. Because starting next year, you're going to need that offense to carry the load. So we saw those cracks that you and I have been talking about right. in that defense in the Buffalo game. That's right. you can't you can't go through a whole season anymore with a defense holding a team holding other teams to 15 points a game and your offense just leaving them out on the field all season long. So with the age of some of those defenders, and you need depth at certain linebacker, defensive back, offensive line, like there's holes that you definitely need to, to fix, but the offense has to start carrying that load. Who's out there? That's a conversation for another day. I'm going to let you do a wish list of, of who do you want. Oh, I mean, I'm don't. cheap. I'm cheap. I can go out there and put together Matt Canada's game plan. Pittsburgh's oh, a short drive away. Dude, we're going to dive in tough this offseason on both our teams. On uh, where, where are our priorities on offense and defense, coaching-wise? Oh. It's a lot to talk about. This uh, this all season is going to be fun. It's going to be involved. Uh, there's a lot. We of, got other sports to talk about too, though. We got other sports to talk about, but like this this draft class is is about as quarterback heavy as it has been in recent years, and so it's gonna be a lot of interesting conversations we're gonna have this year on Pop Me Up, my man. That's what's tough for you guys is you you can get a quarterback this year in those in those middle picks, right? If you wanted one. So it's going to be tough. We have a lot more NFL playoffs, though. We wanted funerals are over. We shut the casket today. This is this was us saying goodbye to 2024. Q Sarah McLaughlin, I will remember you. I'll remember you, Joe Flacco, for that magical six weeks. You did give me magic. I will not remember Nick Chubb's knee turned inside out. Mm. Yeah, Godspeed, Nick. I hope you come back full. I'm just happy to see him walking around again at games and stuff because I thought he might have been done, like done, done. Um, this is good. So, I'm happy that Najee Harris quieted some doubters. Up. A lot of people. I was one of his uh, detractors earlier on, but I think the last five or six weeks, people really see that Najee is a good NFL running back. He got better. He, I mean, he, he got, got better. He got better. Still some vision things that can be mm-hmm. but you guys if I think if you found one thing um you have a decent one two punch at running back. We do. You have a decent one two punch at running back, a lot of other questions on offense, and then some depth issues on defense. I'm happy 
about Omar Khan hitting a home run in his first draft. We have four guys that are going to be Pittsburgh Steelers for a while. And Joey Porter Jr., who played absolutely one of the best years for a cornerback this year, he is going to be around for a long time. I, I, I love his attitude. He has some of that dad swag, uh, peasy uh, from back in the day. Uh, he definitely gave his son the tools needed to be an aggressive cornerback. Uh, I thought we hit uh, our home run with Keanu Benton. He's going to be a, a big-time player for us. Uh, I think he learned a lot under Cam on the D-line. I think Nick Herbig is in a great situation learning from Alex Highsmith and, of course, T.J. Watt. Um, and then we are drafted really well this year, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about their future. But we need another one because, like he said, we have a lot of holes to fill. Broderick Jones, I can't, be, I can't believe I missed him. Our first-round draft pick, Broderick Jones, came in and really was a catalyst for our running game getting off the ground at right tackle. I think he's playing out of position. I think they move him back over to left tackle, and then we address the right tackle position and draft again. But we need another hit in the draft this year. We need some foundational pieces in this draft. We need to bring in a good free agent. But all in all, I'm happy for Omar in his first year. We've got some guys in the 2023 draft that are going to be Steelers for a long time. Well, one thing we'll be able to do is save some time on the Browns' first-round draft pick because they still don't have one. <laughs> Yet yeah. to get a full season out of Deshaun Watson, but um, I'm excited to watch some. I'm excited to watch Detroit, Tampa. I'll be pulling. I mean, we're in agreement. We're go Texans this weekend, right? Texans That's, over uh, Baltimore. Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. It's, it's it's go Texans this weekend. So funeral shows are over. We got it out. We're moving on. Got it out of our system. It's out of our system. You're going to be back in the lab tomorrow in your normal sitting spot for tomorrow's right. show. Yeah, you can, can go back. Around. You can go, go back. back and be around it. Um, and then we're going to be back to fun, loving, happy times. No more mustache. Playoff mustache was gone that night. Went bye bye. And then. Um, now the only sad thing left is only about three weeks left of the NFL season. Yeah, let's just cherish these cherish these moments, cherish these playoffs. Hope Hold we have some good games forward. this weekend. Yeah, so but, uh, we'll do it. We'll do it again tomorrow. All right, my man. All right.